Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. After decades of watching James Bond movies, I'm surprised at how lightly invested I am in the world's longest franchise. I'm used to them, that's all. They come out every year or so, some are better than others, but I don't even have a favourite Bond, I don't think. Certainly Daniel Craig's version is probably the best acted. He's certainly the one who seems to have taken it the most seriously. If we don't do this... ..there will be nothing left to say. The other distinction of the Craig films is that they're an actual series. You're required to keep up and remember what happened in the last films. That certainly wasn't the case when Roger Moore sported the licence to kill. Miss Anders, I didn't recognise you with the clothes on. You are very suspicious, Mr Bond. Oh, I find I live much longer that way. Back then, a Bond movie started from scratch, often featuring a fling with a minor Bond girl. She'd have a name like Bikini or Bambi and would be bumped off before the opening credits. His name is Safin. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you the main Bond girl would turn up shortly afterwards and she'd generally last the rest of the movie and then never be seen again. The villain, too, would only be there for one film, unless his name was Blofeld, before being seen off in a spectacular explosion and a caustic one-liner from James. Bang goes the knighthood, say, or pow to the people. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James Bond. Well, Daniel Craig doesn't do smirky jokes, but one thing the Craig Bond films did rather well was beef up the support characters. Judy Dench was already good as M, of course, but Rafe Fiennes as her successor was equally good, as were Naomi Harris and Ben Whishaw as, respectively, Moneypenny and Q. So you're not dead. Hello, Q, I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose control. But as we come to the last in this version of the franchise, I was surprised at how literally No Time to Die took that description. Back in 2006, we saw a callow Daniel Craig taking over his new job and earning his famous licence to kill. Sixteen years later, he's retired and settled down with the one woman, Madeline Swan. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. But if you're worried about the prospect of Bond, the domestic house husband, it seems Madeleine may not be all she claims to be. Is she, in fact, in league with all these bad guys? Without waiting for an explanation, Bond gives Madeleine the flick and takes a job working for his old CIA mate, Felix Leiter. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favour, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. 
But you don't weasel out of MI5 that easily. The American and British secret services collide and Bond meets his replacement, the very 21st century Nomi. Needless to say, these days, she gives as good as she gets. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. Well, get used to it, James, because Felix has lined up another leggy offsider to work with him in, why not, Cuba. Her name is Paloma, by the way, and she's just as career-oriented as Nomi. Is James losing his touch? There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. Given that the soon-to-return Madeline is also no slouch in the martial arts department, there's a strong sense that these women are not only the equal of Bond, but rather better than him. Will the next James be a woman, people are now asking. I would have said, of course not, a couple of weeks ago, but now I don't know. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. Everyone tries at least once. Or frankly care for that matter. It becomes increasingly apparent that the purpose of No Time to Die is to do some drastic spring cleaning of the whole Bond franchise before a fresh start. By the end, very few of the elements that you associate with 007 are left standing. James, fate draws us back together. Your enemy is my enemy. Christoph Waltz says Ernst Blofeld does turn up for old time's sake, but his role as the alpha Bond villain is taken by Bohemian Rhapsody's Rami Malek, who seems to have retained Freddie Mercury's dentures in this film. We both eradicate people to make the world a better place. I just want to be a little tidier. So, let's have it. Was No Time to Die old-fashioned and misogynistic? No, in fact, Bond was polite to a fault to all the women in the film. So, was it ridiculously woke? No, that wasn't it either. Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. What is it? I don't know what this is. He's going to kill millions. It was ridiculously long, and yet for all its action-packed length, it didn't find room for many of the elements I used to be fond of. Characters, say, a touch of glamour, and most of all, a bit of wit. I can't remember any jokes at all in No Time to Die. And without them, is there any point to a James Bond movie? Can I just have one nice evening, please, before the world explodes?